0: And welcome everybody. Today the guest is Justin Hart. Uh, Justin has a new book. I want to get the title right on that. We'll be talking to him in just a second. It has gone viral how COVID drove the world insane. He's an executive consultant with more than 25 years of experience in Fortune 500 companies. And uh, I want to see he's a chief data analysis and founder of rationalground.com. I want to see how we got into all this and We've talked to him before, but a lot has changed since the last time we spoke. And um, we spoke to him once on the on the uh, Twitter Spaces as well when he kindly jumped in there. As many of you, dose of Doctor Drew,
1: remember those days?
0: Yes, it was a dose of Doctor Drew when he was last on. But I want to apologize to our Twitter Spaces uh, listeners today. I don't know how many calls I'm going to take. I I said on what was it Friday our last show or Thursday uh, that I would be taking calls on Monday. But Justin very kindly jumped in here, and I thought better that we have a chance to talk to him. And tomorrow, we have a follow-up with uh, Edward Dowd to see if any of his uh, data has changed at all. We'll get a look at that. Of course, Dr. Kelly Victor will be in here. But uh, give me a second. It will be on with Justin Hart after this. Our laws as it pertain to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous <laughs> I'm a, I'm a
2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
0: And I was just thinking how uh, Susan and I are leaving the country in the middle of the voting tomorrow, so we will not be paying any attention to what's going on politically, and I feel greatly relieved to be doing that. Uh, Well,
1: actually our flight takes off at 8.50, so we'll be able to see what's going on in the airport.
0: The the White House just said that it's gonna be many, many days before they know what the actual votes are, so I, uh, whatever um but uh should we talk about where we're going is that anything anybody's sure. business go ahead
1: no you i'm drinking coffee
0: we are going to portugal and then gibraltar and north africa and marrakesh and all kinds of crazy stuff so uh um, spain, spain and spain and uh susan set this all up thank you for doing that as always she's a travel master like she's like like some sort of weird um wizard when it comes to travel <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding i'm a wizard and, and so i, I just was a kinda, travel
1: agent for 15 years and i had to book a trip
0: and i just kind of let it happen and i just wherever i'm pointed i go and that's where i go but it's
1: funny because you said i said i want to go to lisbon and you go well we should take a cruise with the kids because it's their 30th birthday yeah and um i said i don't know if there's any cruises in november in lisbon and i looked it up and my favorite cruise line the week of their birthday and mm-hmm. started in Lisbon. I was like, okay, well, I guess we have to go. So, right. if they don't like it, too bad.
0: So, probably <laughs> the last family trip of all time. Next time they yeah, take, they take us. Yeah. Next
1: time. Well, I figured Let's they make, might have make kids.
0: N- or Note, yeah. they take us next time. Uh, Tom Cigar is once a Dr. Drew mug. These are these are vintage mugs. This is an old HLN mug. If you see this, uh, see when. The, let me get this straight. Uh, if you see the HLN insignia here. From back in my days at CNN, HLN,
1: still it hasn't broken yet. Mm-hmm. We have a, we also have an Anderson Cooper, and we have a yeah.
0: CNN. Yeah, I, people don't realize I was on CNN almost we every don't night. We do have for a Gutfeld mug. Time.
1: We should get one of those.
0: Uh, you know, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about. I, I, they, I use it when I'm there, but they don't really offer them to you. So, all right, enough of that. Uh, enough of the silliness. Uh, let's. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Susan, you, I noticed on uh, Rumble, you uh, shattered out. Good morning, Julia. which uh, for everybody from your mom's house, you'll know exactly what that means. And we appreciate you all that uh, have spent time with us over here. Let's get to my guest. It is Justin Hart. He's a friend of the show. He's, I said, been with us as a guest back in the days before we sort of crystallized what this show is, which we're still moving all the time in different directions. Uh, He has worked with everyone from Ron DeSantis to Scott Atlas to Jay Bhattacharya He directed special projects, uh, Mitt Romney campaign. He's been on multiple news outlets, and he has a new book called Gone Viral, How COVID Drove the World Insane. Justin, welcome to the program.
3: You know, I I think Gutfield only has... Shot glasses. I don't think he has mugs. That, that's kind of his report. No, he right? now has. He
0: know. He know has these deep blue. If you see, if you look at a picture of me, I was on there okay. like a week and a half ago, and he has these big blue chalices. Now they're big. They, they put water in for you, and you have to kind of hold it with two hands to get it up, get it up to your mouth. And I, I noticed it, and I thought, wow, I should get one of these. And then I, you know, I, I don't follow through on stuff very well. So hey, great uh, to be with you, Doctor. So, Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for being here today. Tell us about the book.
3: Look, uh, I started, you talk about vacation spaces, Uh, when uh, I was with the Romney campaign, I came in very late to the campaign to kind of save its butt on a couple things. And uh, when the next four years didn't quite work out for my future boss, I was in politics at the time. I hightailed it out here to uh, just south of you in San Diego. I was in Los Angeles and I had a whole slate of uh, leisure clients. So. Here were my clients going into 2020. One was uh, golf excursions for baby boomers, okay? And the next one was uh, a platform for parents to help them decide where to send their kids to college. And then the third one was a high-end vacation club for families. So you can imagine by April, all of my clients were dead. Dead as a doornail, right? That leisure space was gone. And and I had some time on my hands. My background is as a data analyst, as as I say up front, I'm not a healthcare expert. And normally I wouldn't insert myself into someone else's domain, Dr. Drew, but they seem to have no problem inserting themselves into my domain, my kids' education, my coffee shop, my gym, my business, my church. And I, I started looking at these things and having a sort of analytic mind and a group of people that I trusted. We all looked at the numbers and we said, they're off. They've, they've got so much wrong here. I think they're 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 barking up the wrong tree, and so we started a, a lay group called Rational Ground. A bunch of great activists, analysts, experts, moms and dads who basically were COVID contrarians. We said we think this is the wrong approach. We definitely think they have the wrong data here, and we've been proven right again and again. We became the the key backbone for Scott Atlas when he was at the White House. Uh, we basically we called it Project Alpha. Anything he needed. We jumped on, we got him charts and data completely pro bono because he had very little support there at the White House or anywhere else. So he tried to right the ship, but the election went the other way. Uh, and uh, you know, we've been fighting this ever since. I think you and I spoke probably over a year, maybe a year and a half ago or more. And uh, it, since that time, I, I can't believe we're still talking about this, but it seems to me the book, what it's about is basically busting all the myths that we've logged over the years. And it's built for people of your audience who have known that something was not quite right, but also those many, many Americans who are coming back from that dark, fearful place that they used as their main tool and bludgeon against us to say, hey, I yeah. think something was wrong. How do I t- articulate that? So the book is uh, built for a whole swath of the audience here, and I think uh, they'll find it very interesting.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to read it. It reminds me of the book that, uh mark woolhouse wrote the year the world went mad have you read that book he's a british mp right right and 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 he now he writes it from the perspective of i'm sure the exact same stuff he was watching happen and it's really interesting to to read his book because he takes the perspective of like every good clinician he goes I must have had some weakness in the way I approached these people that I, I must have made a mistake to not be persuasive enough to stop the madness. And I thought that was so uh, humbling and interesting to hear him take that approach because he kept saying they were, it was clear they were wrong. I had the data I presented it with them and they just couldn't hear it. And uh, I just, I wonder how Scott Atlas talks about that same period of time when he was exposed to sort of similar representatives in a similar government on this co- on this continent.
3: Yeah, a, a very similar situation. Scott goes in there, he's got all this data, these studies. You know, we had the oncologist coming to us with major reports of how many cancers they were missing, the flip side of what was happening with a third of students never showing up for Zoom classes in LA, all those things. And I, I said to Scott, I said, well, why aren't they, why aren't they turning this thing around? Why aren't they changing course? And I thought to myself, I asked him, I said, well, maybe my kindest interpretation was they're having trouble saving face. And Scott looked at me and he said, no, Justin, these people are dumb. <laughs> they're not very smart. And I said, oh, no. I mean, a half of it, I think, is intentional and half of it, I think, is imbecility. And that's unfortunate.
0: Well, uh, unfortunately, I, so through talking to a lot of people and certainly hearing from people that have been canceled, particularly... I have learned that there are about four elements and you hit two of them. So I'm going to write them down, right? One was incompetence, which was striking, strikingly incompetent. Nowhere more on display than in California. And I will just point you towards the police, the Coast Guard, pulling a guy off his uh, uh, paddleboard. I think it was in Santa Monica or Huntington Beach. Emergency, because he was out to sea by himself, violating, wasn't wearing a mask. I guess that was the problem. Or the sand in the skate pits, or the, Andrew Oshkosvili is with us over on the restream. I was, he was asking me about whether or not they built the basketball rims back after they soldered them shot. And the most incompetent thing of all, you can go to the beach. I don't, I don't know if you guys had this in, in San Diego County. You can go to the beach, but you can't put a towel down. If you lie down, you're in violation. And these poor, poor 22 year old lifeguards had to run around threatening people with arrest for putting a towel down. So anyway, incompetence. Uh, number one, dumb. Number two, uh, number three. I'm going to just put under hysteria or fear. We'll we'll talk about that in more detail. Number four, negative negativity bias, a cognitive bias called just negative bias. I notice people with a positive bias did not have the same reaction to this thing as people with sort of, you know, there, there are two fundamental cognitive biases, positive, negative. Those are the two basic biases and people with a negative bias, you know, sort of a people, you know, a high anxiety bias. They were going crazy over this stereo, fear, dumb, negative bias. What was the other thing right. I had in my mind that I guess those are the main four, i uh, I'll probably think of another one. And then within that, the, 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 The does the intention to use fear as a public health technique. I really didn't believe that could be what they were doing, but now the evidence is quite clear. They consciously were using fear and there's now FOIA documents and other showing Dr. Fauci saying, Hey, do we really want to scare these people? yeah, you want to scare them? You want to scare them more? Keep going. they should be scared. And I, when I saw that, I thought, oh my God, oh my God. So I'll let you react.
3: Yeah, you know it's it's really unfortunate. I, I got a text message. This was the summer of 2020 from a friend of mine up in LA. He said both my parents now, Justin, are are dead. They were elderly. Uh, one died of an undiagnosed blood disorder. One from a cancer they couldn't catch, and they were too scared to get treatment. And that fear trickled down through the entire uh, stratosphere of every industry, every strata, uh, every school, and, and it became the the leading sort of suspect here. I know down here in uh, San Diego County, we had our health director, Wilma Wooten, who was only a grade above where your health director was in Los Angeles County. And, and she said at one point over the pulpit, you should just suspect and expect that everyone has COVID. And I thought, you're just going to drive people insane. And and uh, I remember leaning over a friend, uh, his, his daughter was sitting there at a table. She had a, a Target catalog that you get in the mail. And she was dutifully taking her crayon and she was coloring a mask over every single face that she could find. Because oh that's my. what she thought was normal. Was she? Cause she's only like Ugh. four or five. And I, I have, you know, I have some young kids, I have eight kids, true. And I have, uh, uh, I have a five-year-old and a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and uh, the the five- and four-year-old were there in preschool at the time here in San Diego, and that was a difficult time. It was really challenging. The health director did everything she could to keep the masks off of, uh, off of our kids, uh, but you know our, the, the, the teacher would come up to us, and I relate this in the book, and she'd just say, uh, I'm so sorry. It, it's it's going to be a difficult time in kindergarten. Try teaching these kids how to pronounce the letter H through a mask. Right. And, you know, our group it's was one terrible. of the first ones to actually take the masks off of kids. And we took them to, we, we sent them with these moms. They sent them to a, a lab in Florida. We wanted to know what what's on these things. Right. And they came back with a list of things that were outrageous. Uh, it didn't have COVID, but it had pneumonia, streptococcus. It had Lyme disease, had sure. cow herpes, sure. right. From meat eating yeah. and what a nasty yeah. situation to put your kids in. So that's what we're at.
0: You know, i I so many people were driven to these abnormal pathological states by the press primarily, and by the government sort of pushing out the fear policy. I literally had somebody walk up to me, a reporter, a seasoned television uh, professional, in a newsroom. And he pulls me aside. This was probably the fall of 2020 so it was you know a year into this thing essentially and he pulls me aside and he goes this is an extinction event right they're just not telling us we're we're, the human species is going to go extinct because of this and i thought oh my god oh my god not no nothing like that is happening i mean this is you got the you have this is like so far from that i can't even tell you and i thought wow think what we have done you have Seemingly intelligent people with life experiences being brought to a delusion by the by the by the press and by the government. That to me was one of the most onerous parts of this whole experience.
3: Yeah, I mean, look at this scenario. I thought my next thing shouldn't be a book, but it should be like a a script. Consider like two star-crossed lovers. They're in San Francisco. Okay, after an evening of drinking turned into a one-night stand, right? They're, they're slightly embarrassed. And they wake up to find a, a couple of health inspectors at their door, and the health inspectors tell them, I'm sorry, you cannot leave this apartment. You have to, because of city guidelines, stay together yeah. for 14 days. <laughs> you know, And, and that yeah. sounds funny, but yeah. that was an actual edict on the books, right? I mean, it's just rom-com Trump in the, in the making. And, and we had those over and over again, and that's the light part. There's one stat I always cite, and this is in the book, and it kind of cuts across political boundaries. People understand it, it's hard to refute, and no one took it into account. We think that we missed in the spring, just the spring of 2020 across the country, about 200,000 cases of potential child abuse. Why? Because it's typically sharp-eyed teachers and administrators who catch those things, and kids weren't in school. People have to ask themselves, how many bruises on mom's face did you miss because she had to wear a mask at drop-off? Right? Even now.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Ooh. Yeah.
1: So I have to say something.
3: Yes,
0: please.
1: So I was looking at Apple stock Mm. today. Mm -hmm. And there's a cute little story in there about how the fourteen is not coming to the United States as fast as they'd like. The fourteen? The fourteen. The the fourteen iPhone. Oh, everybody's waiting, right? If you try to get a fourteen iPhone, you can't get it really. They're making them in Hong Kong. Anyways, the factory had COVID outbreaks Mm. and they locked the workers inside the inside yeah. and they're not allowed to leave the building and they have to keep
0: working. Yeah. You just heard about that.
1: No, I read about it this morning. I, and know, I was that just like, like
0: that, that about 10 days ago.
1: Okay. So, so it's, this is where it's rooted from is this.
0: It's rooted in the CCP. That is exactly right. So mm. maybe we'll let Justin talk, speak to that. We had a, we had a public health, we have public health authorities that were persuaded by their Chinese coll- colleagues who lied to us and who told them that they had achieved full control of this thing. And why is Jiangsu quarantined right now? Why is it completely locked down? Because they have a huge outbreak. You can't control a viral, a respiratory virus. You can't do it. And lock but,
1: them inside. So but, smart. So
0: it goes. It goes without saying. It's the CCP did this, and and uh, we fell for it. And our officials should uh, take an apology lap for that. But okay. Uh, but here's my question, because I'm always trying to figure out what am I missing. I, I got to be missing something because. Like I've tweeted today three different articles. I think two yesterday and one today. One was an article from the UK that showed that there is no myocarditis, pericarditis after COVID. It was a good study. I've tweeted another article that showed that there was myocarditis at a fairly significant clip. Not commonplace, but enough to catch your attention uh, from the vaccine. And then I tweeted another article showing that there was myocarditis after COVID, right? So, so it's unsettled data yet. We don't know what we're doing here yet. My question is, why, is, why isn't there a rush to understand this? What, what I get back instead is, hey, there are 1 million deaths. I can't believe we're still talking about this after a million people died. It's like, I, I can't, I, that to me is the most astonishing thing for someone to say because it's a million people died and we're going to die no matter what we did. That's the fact. You you can delude yourself all you want that it had an impact I don't think so. Maybe a few thousand cases. I don't think so. I think respiratory viruses do what they do and it did what it did and it killed a million people and it's horrible. And we got a vaccine rolled out early and quick and we took risks with it. Okay. But now we have some questions we got to answer. Why can't we rush to answer them? What's the problem?
3: I I think it's a natural human reaction, especially for just that sort of general 60% of the population, which said, Hey, I'm just going to go along with this. I really don't want to get in a fight on a plane or at a park or at my kid's school. That's understandable. But when you lose your rights, you're like, okay, you're going to have to stand up next time. But I think right now we're in that phase where people are like, it's really tough for me to stomach that the plexiglass, the masks the social distancing, the quarantine at home from the slightest exposure for my kids, the the vaccine mandates that they were all for nothing, right? I, I read a little clip, this was from Des Moines newspaper, and it said, the American people are perfectly willing to do whatever it takes, but they greatly dislike afterwards learning that it was all for nothing. And that, Drew, was in a newspaper in 1919 talking about the failed interventions that they had of mask mandates and quarantines please, and please everything else a hundred years ago. Please
0: yeah. please send me that article. I love it. I love the history. And I've been looking back at that pandemic repeatedly for sort of guidance and trying to understand what we're doing. And it, it was not uh, a successful, it was not a successful set of interventions. And by the way, the reason they didn't have universal masking because it would be such an incredible and out of line intrusion into personal freedoms and forget shelter in place and close your business. And we're going to, you know, we're going to ruin your family, and your life and all these crazy things we did. And now, uh, I, I don't know. It's still confusing. I I hope I'm not missing something. I I worry that I'm missing something. I, I really do. I, 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 uh, let's let's go to the, the vaccine for a second. Do you have any do you have any thoughts about that sure. because I I I'm yes. worried about it for young males. I'm worried. I'm not saying it's definitely a problem. I'm worried about it and because I'm worried about it then I'm confused why the rush to vaccinate kids. Uh, I watched an interview on MSNBC today where a physician was on there saying there were 600 kids that died of COVID. It's like, yeah, but, but zero of them were healthy. Zero. 600 kids right. with underlying a hundred kids died of flu this same year on a year when flu was outcompeted by COVID, and this year there will be a, f- a thousand flu deaths or something of kids that have underlying severe medical problems. We have to vaccinate all the healthy kids for those six hundred kids with chronic illness. Are we doing the right thing?
3: Look, this is this is a tough subject. Uh, I know when we talk to our counterparts who are also kind of the COVID contrarians in Europe. They kept pushing us, and this was right around when the vaccines first came out. They said, why aren't you talking about the safety issues? Why aren't you talking about these concerns? And we conveyed to them, this is a difficult subject. This is like the third rail of healthcare politics, right? You touch it, and you're immediately branded off or kicked off of platforms. And now it's becoming undeniable. I tell you, you know, after having gone through and seeing how the sausage is made, there are a lot of people that are stepping back and looking at this and saying, all right, what else don't I know, right? And you, you see right. how they're, you know, they're stepping up to, to approve into the schedule a vaccine that's been around for two years. And I fax all my kids with the regular stuff because it's you yeah. know, those have been out for a decade and a half before they were even considered to be put onto the schedule. And now we're rushing so quickly to this. And there's some serious issues that they take into account. I think if you look what's really interesting, what people are, are I think in the government don't face up to, you look at the numbers of the uptake, right? It's less than twenty percent for the bivalent. For our the, the child infant toddler vaccine of six months to five years, the uptake is less yeah. than 10%. And I think what yeah. they quickly realize, even the boosters are low, uh, people know other people who have had adverse reactions or they had some themselves. That could be a very, very strong factor for people not taking this up. I think it's kind of a cry wolf moment where they say, you've got to get this, you've got to get this. The next variant well, is around just the corner. An- they're like, yeah, I know.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a logical, in addition to that point, which I agree with you, there is a logical fallacy in this. Take the vaccine so you don't become one of the 600 children that die. The vaccine doesn't prevent infection. It doesn't prevent transmission. And after three months, it doesn't seem to impact severity either. So what the hell? What is your yeah, the, the, the reason? Unless I'm yeah. missing something, I must be missing something. I feel like some sort of weird alice in wonderland
3: like what what is going on what am i missing i th- i think it comes i think it comes back to the point where they just it's difficult for them to save face now they made this bed they have to lay in it as the old 19th century saying goes and they they're not about to get out if they do you can see dr fauci on these presentations you know he says i don't want to say mistake because it'll be taken out of context right and when he says mm. you know he he goes up with a straight face and says i didn't shut down anything We put together a compilation of 25 ways he said shut down the country, right? I mean, stop gaslighting us, just be honest and open. They can't do it because they know that it's a tough road back. They went so far deep into this thing. That's my kindest interpretation is that they're having trouble saving face. A lot of my readers will come to me and say, I think it's nefarious. I think they're doing it on purpose. And I'm like, well, you know, it's hard for me to dispute anything these days, right? I I have a, a lawsuit as you know uh, against Twitter, against Facebook, against the government, because my accounts were taken down right around the time that Jen Psaki came over the pulpit and said, we're working with Twitter and Facebook to take down accounts, right? And so we sued them and we got the accounts back and restored. But all the FOIAs that are coming out are really interesting because the, what would happen is they'd have these weekly BOLO meetings, these Beyond the Lookout meetings, where they talk about which uh, accounts, what type of posts should be taken down. There's one they they said, Take this one down. It's talking about uh, a menstrual cycle being thrown off. Well, we now know that's true, right? And so here they are taking down valid information, saying it's misinformation. And it's like, who, how many people could have been warned about that, right? It's, it's devastating for these institutions. They're going to have to be built from the ground up again.
0: So well, you called yourself uh, COVID contrarian? Is that what you said? You, what yeah, was the term yeah. You used? Yeah, COVID, COVID contrarian. I, yeah. I am not... I, I am interestingly not a COVID contrarian. I, I'm a COVID realist, moderate. Just want to get to the facts, ma'am. I, I just just want to, you know, I feel like Joe Friday. Just, just the facts, ma'am. It's all I want. I, I really don't want a political position on this. I don't want anything. I just want to understand what happened. I don't want to make the same mistakes again. Clearly mistakes were made. And I am completely prepared to accept that I may have missed something. That's why I keep asking if i missing something because it feels like I'm missing something. Or that there's some data that if I was exposed to, I would feel a little differently. Help me here, Justin. Is there something that some trove of data that would somehow persuade me that there should have been lockdowns, three-year-olds should be masked in spite of the whole world not doing that? That uh, vaccines for eleven year olds are a brilliant idea. I, I can't I can't get there. I I don't know how we get there.
3: It, it is it's impossible. They they don't present any data with it, right? When Dr. Fauci gets up there and says he shields himself by saying if you're criticizing me, you're criticizing science. You know, he, he doesn't bring with him. Hey, here are the five studies RCTs that show that you know masking kids is not going to harm them. It actually could be beneficial. There's none of that. Instead, we've got all the data on our side. We have. Multiple studies. And the, the thing is, right, we had this this really unique, interesting uh, issue that came up this last week with someone who's a, a very good data analyst and academic, uh, Emily Oster out of Brown, Brown University. She put out this article on The Atlantic talking about how you know she was calling for amnesty. And she said, well, we just didn't know until now. And we said, that's not the case we went through and produced, I think we're up to like 70 different studies from just March and April of 2020. Almost every issue from plexiglass down to kid masking, down to uh, quarantines, down to age stratification, that it was all there. I mean, and we have, you know, John, I, I remember feeling Dr. Drew when I put my neck out there in, in March, early March. And I said, you know, my first article was the coronavirus dashboards will kill us all long before the virus ever will. And I really believe that. I thought it was really a data mess, right? And I woke up one night in sweat saying, what what if I'm wrong? What if this is the apocalypse? Next morning, John Ioannidis, most cited living doctor, uh, academic in in literature right now. And he put out a a clarion call and said, this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime data fiasco and we're making terrible, terrible decisions on it.
0: Yeah, I, I think that is true. I think that is true. I, I again I, I'm prepared to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but uh so far nothing has persuaded me otherwise. And you certainly aren't changing my opinion today. Uh and, and I hate that. It's hard. It's hard when you yeah particularly when you've looked to the CDC and Dr. Fauci, your entire career, as I've said repeatedly on this stream, I, it's why I got involved in radio, I was very deep in taking care of AIDS patients and Dr. Fauci was a major figure for me and all that and um, encouraged us to go teach and get out. Now I remember back then some of the beginnings of what you're seeing now were already present. He would uh, react very harshly to anybody that was not towing the line. And he instructed us to use fear. To use fear. He kept saying, you know, tell them there are going to be 2 million deaths if you don't do something. And uh, so, and that do was. Do you think Im-
1: that was right now, now that you've seen this?
0: Do I think that was right then? I mean, it's
1: hard to stop people from having I, sex. I, but- I
0: Interestingly, I, I don't remember using fear. I remember using the data and saying, hey, we got we to gotta pay attention here. Remember, that was an illness with a 100% fatality rate, 100% fatal in all cases, no exceptions. And that was it at the time. Did you think
1: fear was gonna work for that?
0: No, in fact, we developed this whole strategy because we knew fear wouldn't work. You know, this was, early in the pandemic, I kept saying this, why did we throw away what we learned in in, uh, AIDS? What we learned in AIDS was that you needed to use humor and narrative, relatable characters, music. And if you told a little story, you know, like, so Loveline was about telling cases. We'd have cases and then we had a a comedian lighting it up. That was the original model. That was what we used. And they actually had a field of study in public health on how to, because doctors in the windows weren't changing behavior, but the stories were. It's why I got involved with Teen Mom. I knew those stories would impact teen pregnancy you tell the stories, kids aren't dumb. They get it, but a but a authority figure in a white coat telling you what to do, they learn it, they don't change their behavior. And there was a whole field of of discipline that developed around this and they just trashed it during this particular pandemic. I'm seeing it, I'm seeing some of the ads start to pop up now for vaccination that are using some of those techniques. So it's kind of coming back a little bit. You know, I'm fine. It's not fear. Fear is destructive in all cases.
3: Yeah I think the stories are the key thing. In fact, the, the way we organized the book, the first way the first submission I had of the manuscript, the the editor said this is fantastic and completely unpublishable. Well, what's going on? He's like you got all the charts data here. He moved them all to the back so all the you know, I call up some of the data yeah. points, but the thing is really yeah. chock full of these really interesting stories. Some of them are humorous like uh you know, one of the reasons I I dug into it was what happened with like the TP shortage, right? Well, it's it's a humorous thing which is to say Half the reason why we ran out of TP at home is that people do, if you'll excuse the term, half of their business at their businesses, right? And, and so the type of toilet paper, how it's delivered, the supply chain to get it to like a school or a business park or you know a a stadium where they mount these big you know toilet paper rolls into a stall. That's a very different process than getting you the soft Charmin that you like at home, right? And, and so they had mm-hmm. to completely revamp the way that they did things, which is why we all ran out of toilet paper for a while there. And so they had to mm. you know, redo the, the manufacturing process, delivery process. Uh, it's really funny, though. This is always a humorous one. Uh, go Google the phrase Charmin forever. And you'll see that sh- the Charmin marketers are keen at work. They've got all of this backup now, these large toilet paper rolls, you know the ones I'm talking about where they install them and they just never run out into a, like an airport yep, or something like that. Yep, and so Charmin yep. Forever will send you a, a metal mount and it, it lasts for a month, they say. You put it right next to your toilet, and there you go. So we try to lighten things up there and then we topple it with uh, you know some of the, the cancer stuff that's really devastating out there. Or just think about, for example, in Las Vegas, we, uh, we did some interviews with people that were engineers there in Vegas and they spent most of their spring 2020 walking the halls like Jack Nicholson in The Shining and flushing toilets Mm -hmm. and running showers because it's designed for a certain amount of people staying there on a regular basis. They shut down for two months. You're going to have Legionnaire's disease and worse things come up. So crazy impacts on industry as we go through all that
0: aspergillus oh so, my god i
1: didn't even think of yeah, that. yeah that's
0: a brilliant uh, th- we have I, that
1: problem in our place in new york if we're not there very yeah, long the, again it's the, the law
0: of unintended consequences Smelly. and the risk reward analysis that was not done that was Huts the first done, thing right. i saw they are not taking risk reward into account here so um i have to take a little break but what i want you to do when you get back and think about this across the break i'm really interested in the experiences of people who were sort of in these various White houses and con- where the public health communities. You know who, when they were making these decisions, like I learned a great deal from Paul Alexander, who was there when they were having the debate about what social distancing even was, and they just made it up out of whole cloth. But he was there, and that fascinates me. And that fits with my understanding. I've never heard of six feet social distancing before this pandemic. It didn't exist anywhere.
1: Doctor Alexander, right? Paul
0: Alexander, yeah. yeah Paul- and um, but I'm wondering if you can tell us any any give us any insight into what that all looked like. I, I had another friend of mine who was there in the White House, and he said he raised his hand. He was on the sort of ONDCP side, the drug drugs are side. And he was in, I think he said he was in the Oval Office one day, and there was a guy setting this policy. And he goes, I I think you should, this doesn't sound right to me. Maybe you ought to kind of go. He said the guy turned beet red and started screaming at him. Just listen to me. You're going to do it my way. It's going to, people are going to die. And it's like, that is, that'd be like me in medicine screaming at a patient because they elected not to take some medication I was was suggesting. There's no place for anything like that anywhere in health or public health. And that kind of, again, that phenomenon of fear and negativity and negative bias, and then hubris around what they were doing, that created some strange policies, strange bedfellows. And so we're gonna, I'm gonna not have you respond yet because I gotta take a break. When we get back, if Dr. Atlas had any insight having been there on the ground when this all went down, we'll be right back with Justin Hart. Consumer price index yet again going up, stock market in turmoil. What's our government doing to quell the surge of inflation that is gutting American families? Oh yeah, they're spending more money and adding to the burden. Don't bury your head in the sand while your savings get decimated. It's time to do something about this. Visit birchgold.com slash drew. Now, I don't give investment advice, but you can visit birchgold, B-I-R-C-H, gold.com slash drew. Birchgold Gold will send you a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. Great people with almost 20 years of experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs. Don't let your savings lose value. Visit birchgold.com and claim your free, no-obligation info kit from Birch Gold. You can own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account and Birch Gold will help you do it. Birch Gold has an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers. Check them out now. Visit Birchgold.com/slash Drew and secure your future with gold. Do it now. For a long time, I've been talking about the holy grail of skincare, Genusel, and the amazing results that both Susan and I have seen. I'm a big fan of Genusel's Silky Smooth XV. It's a moisturizer soaked right into my skin instantly and with its immediate effects, I saw fine lines and wrinkles visibly disappear within 12 hours. Susan loves GenuCell's vitamin C serum, infused with the purest vitamin C, absorbs to the deepest layer of the skin thanks to GenuCell's proprietary skincare technology.
1: I am a snob when it comes to using products on my face. The dermatologist makes a ton of money from me. But when I was introduced to GenuCell, I was so happy because it's so affordable and it works great.
0: and receive an extra 10% off at checkout when you enroll in their personal concierge at checkout. That again is genucel.com slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash D-R-E-W.
2: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, shopify pos has everything you need to sell in person go to shopify.com slash system all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today that's shopify.com slash system
0: and we are back with justin hart and i'm looking at the twitter spaces here and some of you are raising your hand to come up and ask questions i am going to try to maybe get some people up here to uh, ask sure. questions. And just a reminder that if you do, if you are brought up, you'll be streaming out on multiple platforms. What's
1: DMSO?
0: DMSO is a, it's a organic kind of solvent that drags things through your tissue into the soft tissue. Through, Somebody through
1: asked if GenuCell uses DSMO.
0: DMSO. I don't believe there's any DMSO. No, it's D- very organic. I, I, I worry about DMSO wherever it's used because it drags a lot of things into your soft tissue in addition to what you want dragged in. And I remember when I was in organic chemistry, we were warned against DMSO dragging in heavy metals and things, and just don't, don't get near the DMSO. Yeah, this is
1: sort of all natural, and and just has it isn't uber chemical
0: oriented. Um, no, there's some retinoids and the retinoic acids, and right? Th- but th- those things are that really good work. for your skin. So, yeah,
1: yeah, things that we know work. Helps build ecology. All right, so Justin,
0: any uh, thoughts about what it looked like from the standpoint of Scott Atlas? Because he he was pretty so he was pretty my- spot on most of. The- Oh, no, no, you looking, looking at wrinkles. wrinkles now. you want some you. Now still, Yeah, get you're the genuine. It works good. <laughs> <All right. laughs> it works great. Not to think about that. Um, yes. So so <laughs> he he to me was somebody who was kind of on, you know, seemed to be sort of on target most of the pandemic. He's made sense, he was rational, he was not inflammatory he was not hubristic. What did it look like from his vantage point?
3: Yeah, I, I think it was a lot of frustration. Uh, they had gone, you know, by that time when he arrived in July uh, several months into this same sort of, uh, offset of, of interventions and lockdowns. And then, you know, they start basically giving these tools to the governors and to local leaders like mask mandates, right? I mean, the masks really weren't for stopping the spread. They were basically seen as sort of gears that, uh, that, that, that's that governors could use scapegoats, if you will. Cases are, cases are going up. Why aren't you masking hard enough? Cases are going down. Thank you for masking. I remember your accounts to me. I think he recounts in the book too, how he's in front of, uh, president Trump and he's there with Dr. Burks. And it's, uh, after the, the summer wave of, uh, of, of 2020. And, uh, she says, well, they've been masking so hard there in Arizona. <laughs> and, and Scott just says blatantly, it had nothing to do with masks. I mean, it's just gone for its curve, right? We, we see it again and again. We would show this, this sort of, uh, you know, it, it's been known for 50 years that these seasonal patterns go up and down. When we'd map 2020 to 2021, in some areas, almost to a date, the thing would peak and come back down. And no one else was calling that out. I think this because it, it, it's difficult for them to disrupt the narrative that they've already built. Uh, and I think that's kind of what, what what I came across with is that they would just try to see whatever they could that would work. And they're very message prone. I mean, you have, you, you know, you have the Surgeon General Adams, who's just not I, I just don't think he's the brightest guy. And he's sitting there on camera. He's showing you how to take a T-shirt and wrap it into a mask. And, and what's crazy is I'm sure that every single OSHA certified person on planet Earth Looked at that and just screamed inside their heart, right? But they knew they mm-hmm. couldn't say anything because you know it was kind of out the door. Everyone knew that there's no, for example, N95s that have ever been approved for kids, and yet they still stayed silent. I think that's the main thing with uh, the gal we were talking about before, Professor Bre- Professor Oster. She had the data early on with ma- with masking interventions in schools. She was the only person gathering it. She was gathering it very astutely, too, across New York, across Florida. And so we came out with the data. We, we looked at her data. We said, hey, look, it looks like for schools that mask up, they have case rates that are 21% higher than schools that don't. And what she published a paper that wasn't so blatant about it, but basically came to the same conclusions that these interventions didn't do squat to stop cases with staff or with students and everything else there. Well, that's fantastic. It stayed in peer review. It's still in peer review. She failed to push it to publish it because she was fearful. And you compare that to someone like Tracy Haug who risked her entire reputation, great academic, studying another intervention, this time myocarditis in young men. And she risked her entire career a year and a half ago. She was publishing stuff on this and people wouldn't listen. They tried to blacklist her. They couldn't get it published. She stuck with it. We gave her a few of our data guys who helped out. She got it going, she backed up her team. I think my main thing is it takes a lot of courage to go against the grain, especially when they've already laid out the, the whole narrative. And, and when they start codifying that, like they have here in California, I can't imagine being a physician in this scenario. It's, it's very, very difficult and they're making it worse.
0: Right. Right. You're you're absolutely right. It it certainly makes you doubt yourself. I mean, you hear me saying, I must be missing something. I must be, and I'm prepared to, uh, you were sort of trained to doubt ourselves and to double check and to recheck and have a backup plan. And so I, I, and, and I made a mistake early on of being too hubristic because I could see the panic that the press was driving and the press, the particular people in the press that were creating the panic had no business at the table, had no business having an opinion on these things. That's the thing that got me. It's like, why are these people even having an opinion? They should. And at the time, I was saying, just listen to Fauci, listen to the CDC, and shut up. Let them have the opinion, and you report it. That's it. But no, you have the New York Times editorial board demanding a lockdown, a a, a procedure that had never been contemplated in infectious disease, a so-called mitigation method that they now had an opinion on. Who cares? Why did they have a place at the table they should not have been listened to by anybody but it became the driving force that I guess scared some of the government officials or helped sweep up the the panic but again I I I blame the officials for for allowing it to go on my I, I, I. by the way, I'm thinking about Emily Oster, who we're, we're talking about here, who wrote that article in The Atlantic about amnesty for, you know, we didn't know, we didn't know. Yeah, we did know. We, a lot of us knew. And the p- reason you didn't know is you were blocked from hearing the people who knew better. You couldn't hear the voices. You couldn't hear the dissent. You were blocked from it. And you, why you didn't seek it out, this is, again, back to amnesty. I don't know if you can <laughs> see this cartoon alongside yeah. of you. It's a fantastic cartoon. For those of you that are listening and not watching, it's a uh, showing two women being burned at the stakes, and, and the uh, caption: These two pilgrims are standing there, saying, it "Turns out they weren't rich witches after all." And then they completely go up in flames, and the other the other pilgrim goes, "Mistakes were made on both sides." <laughs> we we all made some mistakes in the meantime people were this is very much the issue meantime people's lives were destroyed and this whole yeah. idea that they weren't there's a place called Tinhorn Flats out here it's been a family restaurant for like three generations and uh, they closed it down because they 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 literally padlocked it because they dared to have outdoor dining before outdoor dining was specifically endorsed by our public health official, who is a sociologist, no clinical experience, okay, whatever. Um, and these people's lives were destroyed.
3: It, it's crazy. Now, look, there's nothing new under the sun, as the good book says. And and if you go back not just 100 years to where they had major problems with the interventions and very bad results in the 1918 pandemic, you can go back 400 years. In the book, I talk about uh, the plague in Milan, Italy. And there's an author named uh, Alexander Mazzoni who looked at a bunch of journals and wrote a piece that was basically like love in a time of the plague. And it was the plague, right? One out of three people dying. And it was thought at one point that there were foreign elements that were coming into the city to whitewash the walls and, as they called it, anoint the pews with infected water to spread the disease further, right? And this got the whole town in an uproar. And, And a gentleman is at the front of a church. He's brushing off his pew before he sits down. A couple people in the back see him, accuse him of anointing the bench. The journal entry says they took him outside, and I do not think he could have yeah. survived many moments longer. And then you see he talks about all of the uh, monati—that that is the people that were put in stations above all of the populace, and they were exempt from all the, uh, the, the type of interventions and all the, the laws, and they could do what they want. They would bribe people and bilk people. We saw the same exact things happening here. I heard from some of the retailers up in L.A. And they said, hey, if if I could throw down three grand or four grand or five grand, I know a guy who can basically get me cleared with the county health supervisor. Uh, I mean, it's just the worst. And, and, And everything went through that. Well, a third of all restaurants here in California closed down at one point or another altogether.
0: Yeah. California was an outlier. Germany is still doing the same shit. I I, I noticed when I was a, journey a year and a half ago, I thought, oh, we have a new California. It's called Germany. Uh, but those are the two environments where I've seen it the most draconian, the most ridiculous, the most insane. I had to go get an N95. I was in the airport in, in uh, Munich. There is a restaurant. We were. The, yeah. In the middle of a thoroughfare, like a giant sort of passageway for people going from terminal to terminal it's not out outdoors it's indoors but it's a huge space and there's a little restaurant sort of marked off by a kind of a, a planter and you'd wait in line next to right next to people but once you got to the front of the line they insisted you have an n95 mask to walk these seven feet to your table <laughs> to take the mask off this is to Germany, eat. Germany, though. Yeah, I know they had rules. It's no longer Florida or Germany. It's, it's <laughs> Germany or California. <laughs> she but was
1: so pissed. We had to go buy it. We mask. did. We,
0: we did that twice in that airport. I think. Didn't yeah, we do the it second again? time
1: we brought our. In- oh, they made God. you wear it in the club lounge too. Anyway, so Weird. we had to go get it.
0: But but I want to go back to Emily Oster. I I feel bad for her because she was a driving force in getting the schools open. She was the early adopter of this of of talking about this. And I think she she deserves a pass because A, she was an, an important force in the right direction and B, sort of admitting her mistakes. Like I didn't know, I didn't make the mistakes. I, I'm i fine with it. Leanna Wynn who's somebody who scared the shit out of people for two years on CNN, also flipped over and saying, uh, you know, come on, we got to, this reconsider. I people. My thing is, like, you're all welcome on board. You're all working on the on the the boat. The san, the boat titled Sanity, the rational boat. You're welcome on board, and and people that admit their errors and take some responsibility. Please come on, come all. Yeah, but, but it, to say, but hey, True, let's just I forget can't. about it. No. No, don't forget about it. Yeah, but,
3: but I think there has to be another caveat there for people like Leanna Wen, who would go on and basically create this great division between vaccinated and unvaccinated. Yeah, she came around on, on face masks. In fact, it was her comments saying that face masks were no better than facial decorations that really got the ball moving. Uh, and Emily mm-hmm. Oster, yeah, she made comments about safely opening schools, but we all, you know, I, I, I won't go into that. But 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 here's the deal. You're welcome back on Team Reality. Great. We welcome all all comers there. You should never, have an influence on public policy again. And that's at least for Dr. Fauci and crew, right? I mean, look, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins, who just retired, were on the boards that decided all the grants for NIH and setting the policy. What were the chances of your study getting grant money if it somehow might run counter to their narrative on policy, right? That's something that needs to be cut off straight away, right? So those are things where it's like, You're welcome in team reality. May you never have an ounce of influence going forward again. We just can't afford it, right? I mean, my my kids have to go through speech therapy. It's just like, it's devastating.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you a political question. It seems to yeah. me, and I'm going to get some calls in just a second. So my hang kids on. went
1: through speech therapy and they didn't even have COVID. So don't yeah, feel but you bad. imagine
0: trying to do it with a mask on the, <laughs> on the therapist and the patient? Can yeah, you But it is that? important
1: oh, to be insanity. able to speak, let them see your mouth. Oh my that. God.
0: It's part of the whole process. But anyway, um, uh, it seems to me, correct me if I am wrong, that One of the lessons that I have learned is that the constitution has a wrinkle in it as it pertains to public health and public health fiat authority. And that it seems to me that each state has got to address this and to limit somehow this out of control uh, authority in, in in the hands of public health in an emergency. At the very minimum, some sort of provision for, show your work, let us hear the data, don't use fear and terror. Tell us the risk-reward analysis and convince us what you're recommending is good. And then, by the way, you, as the non-elected public health official, should have no voice per se, but but then to explain your thing and hand off to the elected officials who should have the authority. Can we? Co- is that not true? A, is that not what we need to do? And B, can we do it?
3: I think so. I mean, you look at, for example, what Governor DeSantis did. Uh, A county can declare a health emergency, but it only lasts for a certain amount of time before they have to bring it up and demonstrate uh, its efficacy and why they're doing what they're doing, right? We need those breakers in place. Yes. And then you need kind of the top-down stuff, which is like, no, we're we're not going to do this thing where you don't get to visit your loved one who's dying, right? Uh, We had a chance Yeah, we had a chance, our group, in 2020, in the summer, uh, Governor DeSantis allowed team members of ours to actually look at 700 redacted uh, death certificates, okay? Didn't have personal Mm -hmm. information, but we had all the causes, one, two, and everything else there. And we looked at these, and it was like, you know, 86-year-old female, fall from height, diabetes, COVID, COVID death, right? And we see about 30% were like that. Another 20% were really lazy. And so we have no idea on all these numbers here. And, and those, I think the data thing is something we need to figure out real quickly, uh, and, and it's yes. it's going to be, well, I have it on good authority that if there is a changing of the guard here tomorrow, that there will be hearings next year. And I hope that's the case, because you need some real transparency on this thing to fix a lot of the things that go on. Because we basically we opened up Pandora's it. box. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, we did. And we got, we looked at, a, I mean, do we, I, or. We're China. We're going to be China, and if that's right. what we want to be, uh, at least in an emergency, I I don't think that's what we want to be. I don't I don't believe that. Although I've been confused about a lot of things, um, so well, maybe it's, I'm it's wrong on that to one Look, I, too. I
3: put this I put this as a pressing question to my side here, which is you know, what if this pandemic did have the, the the mortality profile of the Spanish flu, right? And it was millennials and kids dying by the tens of thousands. Yeah. You and I have having yes. a very different conversation with a median age of death of yes. 29. And, and so yes. when some, if, if something like that happens again, I mean, a lot of us are going to cry wolf and say, I really don't want to hear it, right? But I, I don't know what yes. to do in that case. We just have to, we have to sort of have that conversation and say, okay, when, when do you usurp our rights and we can't, you know, go practice our religion or gather in a group unless we're with the right cause, right? It's a a crazy mess, and a lot needs to be ironed out.
0: Years of life lost is a valid piece of data. The average duration of life for a male, if he is so far gone that he needs an institution, meaning two or more people, to turn him, shit him, wipe him, feed him— And he's admitted to a nursing home in that condition. His average median life expectancy is six months, six months. So people that were killed by COVID were one, six months to 12 months, maybe 18 months from the end of life, no matter what, as opposed to. And died alone. You, uh, exactly. Thank you. And as opposed to, like you say, if a younger person is being killed by an illness, it's 60 to 80 years of life lost. That's a much different thing. And by the way, if it were that situation and we did crazy things, I, I would say, you know, we were in a panic. We were in absolute panic. There, what, what could we do? We, we really lost our minds for a minute. Turns out it didn't work, but I, okay, you lost your mind. I, I, I get it, but <laughs> nothing like that was going to- on.
3: Yeah, I think we need to instill, you know, some type of citizen courage too. I, I think the ground baseline is: look, the 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 basic pillar of our founding documents is this is here for your pursuit of happiness. A lot of us were kind of yeah. holed up in our home for months, looking at our plow rusting in the field. They say you can't go plow your field <laughs> or go to work. Right? It's like, well, what's going on here? Right? I think that that's sort of you know the, our our constitutional rights, the Bill of Rights. Stick with that defend them to the death and you won't go wrong right and i think that's kind of where we need to stand up and say we're just not gonna we're not gonna take this sort of infringement anymore i'm gonna make my life you make yours and we'll work out the rest on fisticuffs or we'll come to some agreement on it
0: yeah we we are not china we have some we think we have a special document let's let it do its thing i i um I, the other astonishing thing, though, as we sort of focus in on the, the American experience, is that this was a worldwide phenomenon. That to me is just as weird as anything. The, 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 I, maybe it wasn't as bad in certain parts of the world as we had it in California, but it was a worldwide thing. And that's, you know, I know how narcissistic we are here. I see what happened here. I don't. I, and I've, you know, read uh, Dr. Woolhouse's book about UK. I get what happened there, but it happened everywhere. <laughs> Isn't that kind of weird yeah. to you?
3: It is, and I think, um, you know, look, it's there is some conspiracy-minded theme out there that somehow this was all organized and it played off. I rather think it was more ineptitude, especially when it comes to the origin of the virus, yeah. Market being nine hundred feet from the lab or whatever else there, right? But but the idea is, look, along those lines, there definitely are forces out there that are saying, "Hey, look, a gap, let's fill it," right? And they say that out loud, right? The the World Economic Forum and otherwise, they just come out and say. That we're going to take advantage of this moment and reset the world. And they really do mean mm. those intentionally there. So uh, I, I think those Oof. are things you need to look out for because these same tactics, again, whether it's going to be the next pandemic, the next wave of COVID or whatever other boogeyman they come up for, they're going to do it again. The press, Dr. Fauci, they would gladly weld you inside your apartment if they thought it saved a single life, right? Uh, that is before yeah. they burn off their right. hands, because I don't think they could, they could actually right. work a welding torch to save their life. But <laughs> the idea is the, these things really have an impact, and, and we need to just be prepared to say, okay, what are you willing to counter? Because I, I think it's an understandable uh, feeling that most people had. I think it was like 20% of us that were like sticking our necks off and they were going to get cut off or not. There were another 20% on the other side, as we call them Team Apocalypse, who were just shooting the sky for every sort of a stricture. And then there's like the 60% of the population in between, which is like, I really don't want to get into the fight. And I think this book is really built towards that population a lot, which is, hey, I know you're having a tough time coming back from this. I know you're still double masking in your car. Read these stories. Mm. Make sure you know the crazy. Uh, and, and I think that's where a lot of your you know, a lot of your listeners are going to take it and go, oh, yeah, I know this. Oh, I forgot that story. Oh, look at this thing, right? And, and it'll well, help t- you sort t- of teach
0: what's going uh, on there. I'm going to be... I get it. I'm going to be at the airport tomorrow. Can I pick it? Will it be at airport bookstores? Because I don't have time to get it before it's I leave a, And I want to Amazon, read it on my trip. I don't know, you
3: know. The supply chains are all messed up. Who knows? You know, I, I hey, know. My book is supposed to come out two months earlier. Right? Is it made in Hong
1: Kong?
0: <laughs> I
3: can't. Susan, maybe we be, tried for knows. an
0: overnight delivery of his book. We get it by tomorrow night. I don't, I don't know. know. Get on
3: your you phone. might try. Amazon's <laughs> kind of tie it on it, too. It's good stuff. But uh, yeah, look, uh, Kindle. You get on Kindle if you like to read those things. But uh, oh, that's it, a good, it's, idea. Uh, oh, that's yeah. good idea. It's got it's on Audible too. You can get it there on audiobook. But uh, look, I, I think it? in the end, what's that? No, not me. Are
0: not you me. the reading? Are you, okay.
3: No, no, we got we got some professional guy to do. I I would love to read it, but. Uh, well, I got eight kids. So I I would get interrupted. I'm surprised I haven't gotten. Right I know, to Susan. Did you me. hear you how have many eight kids? You, I knew you missed that. Oh. I knew
0: you missed it when he said it in the first Well, I was a, the dog He's got a one. He's got a three, five, eight-year-old, and, oh and five more. Oh my God! Oh
1: my God! It's gosh. a Brady bunch, and right? And it's it's like we we have three,
3: three with a my with like Jenny. So yeah. Well, yeah, we had yeah we had a child in the pandemic. You that
1: tweeted? You were the one that tweeted the the Saturday Night Live. The video spoof, right? Yeah. You know how that feels, right? <laughs> to me. <be, to
0: laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Have I, the I, freedom I, from your family. Me, if you have COVID, get, it's, they did a, com- a fake commercial about COVID and it and was funny, but not it was, funny. It was, it was funny.
1: It was funny. And, and, the funniest w- thing in and the again, night.
0: another astonishing things to me, people are like, I don't see what's funny about this. Like I, what is not funny about it? What is wrong with you people? Anyway, Betsy's, uh, I called up here for uh, some speaking. We're going to get people to, well, it was up to the podium.
1: So yeah, it's funny if you were getting Omicron.
0: <laughs> it, it's funny, yeah, sure. given the sweep of what we've been through, it's funny. Yeah. Look, but humor I mean, has been used through adversity throughout human history. That's when it's most appropriate and most useful and most effective. And by the way, most funny. But
1: Justin can relate to that. He's got eight kids.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Betsy, I see you there. What What's going on? Or Yeah, Betsy. Oh, for some reason, we don't hear you, but... You're not muted, so that's good. Betsy,
1: uh, you also come go on by the phone. Betty
0: Content. Content Betty. Oh, did she leave? Yeah, I think I lost her. Okay, let's try. Uh, this is <laughs> Catherine. They're
1: on the toilet.
0: Uh, Catherine will give her a chance. Catherine Van Kay. Um, Hello. There you are. What's going on there?
4: Um, I just wanted to speak to what Justin said about not wanting to resort to conspiracy theories. I think... The more you listen, for example, to Harvey Rich, who by no means, I think the guy's pretty solid as a scientist, when he says that, along with Merrill Nass, that France, for example, they took hydroxychloroquine months prior to the outbreak of the pandemic off the over-the-counter list of medicines, I think the aggregate of very strange things I don't want to go there, but I think, I don't know. I would just be interested to hear what you guys have to think to uh, to say about that, because these are no longer coincidences. These are just hard facts.
0: Let me, let me just say, uh, I, I am, I'm steadfastly refusing to go there. I am, I am like a stalwart anti, uh, uh, conspiracist. However, uh, I am persuaded that the cozy relationship between the big pharma, boards and executive structure and the government agency where people are going back and forth between these positions and the private sector and then back to service and then the money that exchanges hands, it it is at least biased, at least biased, if not so cozy as to create horrible motivations. Justin, what do you say?
3: Uh, absolutely. And that extends to big tech too. In the, in the FOIA documents I got mm. back from Vivek Murthy and his office of the Surgeon mm-hmm. General, facebook gave the cdc and the fda 15 million dollars of free ads to use on their platform and the the fda and the cdc mm. came back with specific requirements on this look i mean like i've said private you know companies like twitter and facebook are private companies i don't have a lot of recourse to sue them to keep my voice there right one would hope they might adhere yeah. to the basic tenets of their but the, when the government does that right when the government uses them as proxy now you have a problem but i think i think definitely what we're seeing is um there is a there, there's a lot of buddy buddy stuff that happens like i want to know right. what is the story behind remdesivir because i talk to nurses right and my nurses would tell me my insiders they say yeah when we see that we 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 call it run death is near and uh i said mm-hmm. oh gosh but <laughs> because it, and we have the studies now that it really did very very little and may have some adverse reactions right and so like What's the story that? Who made that call of remdesivir? Because it was, it's, it was a massive inflow for that drug, right? That had been, been failed yeah. before, and so these things are really challenging when you look at what really happened. Was it was and, it purposeful? And, and or and was I would argue
0: just- so. So let's look at that. So, so I would argue, of course, there's obviously financial motivations there, but we didn't have anything else approved to use. It did have side effects, but it might have done something good. And I believe I saw some cases where I think it did do some good. It's hard to tell. It's not like Paxlovid where it just stops, the illness right. just stops, and then rebounds. But that's a different that's a different uh, medicine. And so I, I kind of am sympathetic to it. And if you think about it in the context of again uh, that cozy relationship where it's like, you know, hey, you know, we, hey, Bob, I, you know, used, I used to sit on the CDC board. Now you're over there at Pfizer. We, you know, they have personal relationships and it, it's so cozy that it makes sense to me that things would be greased sure. to go in directions that. So, so Catherine, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to think of me when I, I'm going to give you this discipline. you <laughs> Ready? I don't want you to think about some dude twirling his mustache, showing up with a bag of cash. That does not happen. That does not happen. But what does happen is a bunch of biases and cozy relationships, and you know, it just it just it, there's things of af- afoot that 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 feel problematic because they are problematic, but it's not as, as ridiculous as snidely whiplash showing up with a bag of cash. You, you know what I mean? Catherine, no, does that make sense to you? Yeah,
4: I, and no. I don't think that's what it is. No. I thought when he said this happened prior to the outbreak months, prior, it wasn't even the, Protocol of treatment. I, I it understand. Was that they did
0: it? I understand what you're saying. That's odd to me. Uh, it is odd, but you know, association is not causation. So you use good scientific technique until we have some evidence that there's a causational link. There, I, be careful because it it no, does suggest right. there's the must. It suggests mustache twirling, and as oh, soon as you get near through mustache twirling. Yeah. yeah. Then I'm like, no, we can't be that. So go ahead, Justin. No,
3: they, they, here's a perfect example. If, if you Google like any number between one and let's say a thousand, and you put the word COVID cases next to it, you will come up with that number and COVID cases. And I remember <laughs> there was like three days where people on my side were thinking that's a conspiracy theory. I said, no, no. Do the numbers. There are 3,200 counties. Three or four papers in each county. There are so many days that you could have had any number. Of cases that come up. And it's absolutely, absolutely positively, statistically probable that you come up with any number between one and a thousand that's been published with 968 cases found in Sucks County, right? So those are things you need to do. You know, it's interesting. I think it's something you have to pursue just to get out of your brain. But you're right, you you can't get down too far. I went down the rabbit hole the other day on some of this stuff I was looking at. And I'm telling you, oh boy, I'm glad someone pulled me out of that. Because I tell you, but that's the whole thing. It's like, I used to trust kind of this particular vein of authority, and I don't trust anything now, right? I'm looking back at all yeah. the studies to say what's going on. And that's unfortunate because there's something about having a trust in an institution, and even in your doctor, that like helps you through the efficiency of life, right? I don't want yes. to have and, to and- stop and say... my. My doctor's it, prescribing X it, to me yeah. and go look up all the studies, right? Because I don't trust them.
0: Yeah. It it, it worries me. It, now you're you you you're triggering my Steve Kirsch gene. It, it worries me when people that are not <laughs> used to how the medical system works and how doctors think, get, get when they get really upset about this the way Steve does, and I'm starting to hear language from you now, Justin, that reminds me of that. It's like... <laughs> You, you, you got to temper it a little bit. it's it's it is right. it is a system of science. It is trying to do the best it can. It is always a risk reward thing. We do bad things inadvertently. We do good things before we know we've done them with all kinds of craziness that goes on in clinical science. It's the nature of medicine. but but what has been missing the entire time has been context. and and the context is something that we as clinicians understand. And that's that context of all of this. Is what's been, again, that's where the risk reward analysis analyses are done. And that context has been completely missed, which is why public health officials made such horrible decisions that harm people so severely without doing much good. They did not consider the context of their decisions and the context of the f- illnesses we were fighting, which was terrible. It was a terrible thing. I, it just was. I get it. Let me see if I can get Betsy back here. She's now asked to come up again. Betsy, just there you are. Disc, uh, go ahead and unmute yourself. There you are.
5: Sorry about that. I don't know what happened there.
0: No problem. What's happening?
5: Okay. So um, this is something that I haven't heard you talk about before, but there is an increase in homicides in a bunch of different cities in the United States right now. Um, I was wondering if you think that there's any sort of relationship between the COVID lockdowns and criminal behavior that we're now seeing the like um, after the fact. This could just be like a crazy theory that I have, but I think that it did. Well, it had I lot, I it had felt a lot of I felt
0: like well I'll tell you this much Betsy, I I felt is Betsy actually your name I see it as a sort of a yeah screen yeah name. okay yeah um, that's my name you never know what people's actual names are, um, <laughs> uh, I when we when I was watching the riots here in Los Angeles the thought bubble over my head was, God I bet a lot of this is just frustration at the lockdown, I I really had that feeling. And to the extent that that opens some floodgates for all kinds of things, it, it might have been that you can, let's put it this way. It makes sense to me that you can draw a line back to the lockdowns. I mean, I'm sure, let's get ask Justin, uh, there must be examples of this in history of people trying to lock down and then some sort of explosive behavior develops in response to it.
3: Yeah, they, typically these sort of pandemic episodes are followed on c- close on the heels by war. In many instances but in, in our case especially you look at we, by one study there was an estimate that uh from surveys that 55 percent of kids experienced some type of parental abuse or what they interpreted as parental abuse during the lockdowns and heaven knows if you're okay so that up was a family for so yeah. long right and then you you look at i think one out of uh, every five uh uh High schoolers and on to college age had ideations of suicide, which is uh, above the board there, too. So there's a lot of things that you can definitely point to which were just fraying apart, uh, you know, the, the, the mental psych- psychosis of, of Americans there. I mean, I mean it makes sense. It
0: may, we, so we have a mass formation and we have a lockdown. It would be weird if we didn't have some sort of crazy reaction, right? And as we I all, totally agree. And as we always say, it's the most vulnerable to get hit. Yeah. People that have mental illness and things, those are the ones that are going to fly off first. And they can be violent. It happens. It's not, you know, I understand they're more likely to be the object of violence, but they can also be violent. And we're creating a, a recipe for that, it seems to me. And just even the average person, what I hear all the time is people can't find meaning and purpose and why bother is sort of the, the credo of the day. And if you really don't care about anything and you and you get into kind of a delusional thought process, pfft, you know, you yeah, do-
5: definitely. And yeah. like I saw um, a few, a few, um, some Pew research just came out about how violent crime actually isn't increasing, and that, and but it didn't include homicides. This just came out like last That's week, weird. and I'm like, okay, interesting so- <laughs> thing to put out right before the election is happening when there's a lot of like progressive prosecution going on in the country and a lot of um, sort of more holistic it, it, approaches. It's,
0: Betsy, it's another situation where I think to myself, am I, am I deluded? I, I, I can't walk down the street in, in downtown Los Angeles, I haven't been able to walk down the street there in a year and a half, is that just my own personal fear, or is it actually the people coming up to me aggressively with the machetes and stuff? Uh, I I don't know which I one seems to be happening. That's I see it with my eyes. What am I again? It's this this strange feeling I have. What am I missing? The data isn't reflecting it. How could that be? Uh, yeah, I
5: mean so- it is reflecting. I work in crime statistics actually at the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office, and there's like Philadelphia is experiencing like the highest increase in in violent crime, specifically homicides. That they've ever seen since the 60s. And it's like, I don't see another explanation. And nobody that I work with would ever entertain uh the idea that you know masking or just any lockdown uh measure could have had an impact on people's behavior. Human be, human yeah.
0: behavior, you know, it it human behavior on the margins when you do anything to large numbers, numbers of people, shit happens. It's hard to predict what that shit's going to be. But people react and they can, and it doesn't have to just remain on the margins. Frankly, if this stress, if you stress a human population, guess what? (laughs) The shit happens. So yeah, I think you're onto something, Betsy. Please collect the data. Please keep us posted, okay?
5: Oh, I'm trying.
0: And and by the way, how else do you address (laughs) it? How do you address these things unless you look at the root cause and get honest about it? What am what's supposed to happen in medicine? We're supposed to pretend that oh, I don't understand what the biology is. Let's consult the stars. I I you got to you got to look at it. You got to figure it out. Call a psychic. Yep. (laughs) Anyway, Betsy, thanks for the call. Appreciate it.
5: Yeah, I love the show.
0: All right, thank you. Very interesting. Um, Well, Justin, we've we've put in a big chunk of time here. Uh, I'm I don't want to keep you much longer. that was an interesting way to kind of wrap things up. I, I don't have time to get to other callers. I appreciate those of you that did ask. Um, there's the book, Gone Viral: How COVID Drove the World yep. Insane. I'm going to be so pissed if I can't get it by the plane tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm going to work hard at it. All right, and do that. I don't know that I'm going f- to. don't. I'm going to find it in London uh, when I get yeah. there, or Portugal, or wherever we're going. <laughs> uh, so.
1: Yeah, they don't Supply have chain. Amazon It'll get there. It'll
3: get there in three years.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, uh, is there anything anything else, Justin? Before we need to wrap this up, did I miss anything? Is no, there any I, I other think, points you wanted to make?
3: Uh, yeah, I think when you when you go into the voting booth tomorrow, you know, just keep these things in mind. Uh, what you what you experienced, you experienced, right? That that was actually that actually happened. Don't let people gaslight uh, gaslight, gaslight you out of that. Because uh, it will have an impact on your life, your kids, and hopefully you can do this so your kids' kids don't have to go through it again a hundred years from now.
0: And, and, and my thing is pretty simple. I, I'm a independent, so I get to see the extremes on both sides, and so I don't have a I don't have a race, horse in the race. I don't want more of the same. Whatever you do, please not more of the same. More of the same right. is terrible. It's terrible. And have have we not had enough? So whatever that means to change direction, please dear God, everybody, let's let's not have more of the same. I, I don't care who, what color, blue. I don't care. Something different. We got to do something different here. Uh, Justin hey, Hart, hey, everybody Susan, get they, the book. They
3: had, they, had great, they had great jokes 100 years ago, too. I'll just give you one. This is from Kansas. Oh, this is to the to Des Moines Tribune. They put in there, one badger Benedict wants to know why they don't extend the wearing of flu masks to the home so he won't know whether his wife greets him with a smile or a frown when he arrives late for dinner. <laughs> There you go. Comedy is the best medicine for this stuff,
0: okay? A hundred percent. Watch that. Look for that. Uh, did I just hear a hi-hat? Is that oh, what I'm just playing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and is- and, uh, go. and, and uh, good. Search out that uh, Saturday Night Live uh, fake commercial about COVID. See if you don't think that was uh, funny. It, was, it, it feels better when you watch that commercial. It's like, okay, yes. yeah. It's making fun of a serious Well, you set yes. me
1: up. You said people are ha- talking about this. I wish you hadn't done that. You should have just seen my reaction to You're it. You're
0: right. You're right. I, I have a weird <laughs> problem with, with, I do. I have a weird problem with, when I once expose somebody, Spoiler to something, alert. I like tell them the whole story before I show it to them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird impulse, and I, I he, try have to a great trip. He buys guys. Christmas
1: gifts. He tells you the day before right, what it is. All right, you know. enough.
0: That's me. Have I'm, I'm, I'm like Peter said. Thanks, Justin. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, All right, see, we'll see you. you. See you when we go get back. Kiss
1: those babies. And, for, and uh, to, I will for
0: the rest of you. It reminds me. It reminds me. I, I remind myself of that Kristen Rid, that wig character, that when she has to surprise somebody she goes
1: she can't, can't, you can't do, I can't do it she
0: just puts a pillow in her mouth it's like, <laughs> i thought i thought yeah that's pretty much me and i just blurted out know, so I know, it's true uh that you know which character i'm talking about right it's yes a, yeah. okay i know how good is caleb can he pull up a, a clip <laughs> so
5: i, I, I can't know, get it up
6: that up. quickly
0: i was gonna try to find you it but also, it's they'll, they'll, they'll it's also actually tag us if we put it up I found it very
6: refreshing how SNL has actually made some really funny skits about the pandemic. Like right around the time of the masking, everyone was, you know, it was so, it was definitely over by then. They made a whole skit about the 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 masks. Did we ever really need the masks?
0: Correct. They did that one. And the other one I thought was actually more brilliant even was they had a... Uh, it was a a neighborhood social event and there was a black family and a couple of white families and they were going on about the vaccine and and they got to get the vaccine and the kids vaccinated and the mom and dad uh, the two the two black parents in the room were like, oh yeah, you got to get vaccinated. Oh, well, you, that vaccine is important. And and they turn to the parents, these two black parents, and go, uh, are you getting it uh, anytime soon? And they oh no, not, no no, we're no. Not gonna, no 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 we're we're not getting the vaccine. I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> but but you, <laughs> it's a great idea. Go <laughs> they ahead. They were the smart <laughs> the- <laughs> ones. Now, <laughs> so so I thought that was a really clever. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, Greg it, is tell- reminding us we'll get a copyright strike. It also felt to like, that's true. to me, yeah. that
6: in my mind, the official end of the pandemic was whenever they, sh- they turned the cameras on SNL and you could see the whole audience and no one in the audience. Without mask. Was, was, yeah. No one was wearing a mask. Yeah. Whereas before every yeah. shot, yeah. Yeah. even the musicians were they wearing masks They had to get a COVID test to get in glass.
1: there. You right. it, feel so, in so much happier. without a COVID test.
0: But even with COVID tests, people got weird, so I don't know. Uh, So anyway, so good discussion, interesting ideas. Tomorrow we're going to do a full update with Edward Dowd. Uh, We'll see if it's the same, different, what his ideas are, more stats, Kelly Victory in here. And then we'll be gone for about three weeks. Uh, when we come back, we we have some very special guests on the books, possibly, which have not been confirmed. Yeah. But you all will love these guests. Yeah. And well, uh, Kelly Pierre
1: Corey is coming on with Kelly when we're out of town.
0: Yeah, people have been begging me for Pierre Corey, and I've been telling. We tried him he's to get
1: coming. him when we were here, but he couldn't do it. We have a
0: major, major politician, maybe, uh, going to be here. Who's a? Um, I'll just, exp- I'll just say a moderate. Uh, I don't know. I even know.
1: Well, we'll see. I don't uh, want to promise which, anything yet. I
0: don't even know which party that person is part of. She, Anyway, um, but so we have Pierre Corey coming up when next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We have Kelly in tomorrow with Edward Dow. We have Kelly next Wednesday, yes, with um, Pierre Corey, and then correct. The, and and then, then we're
1: here back. We're back the day after Thanksgiving.
0: All right, so it's going to be kind of kind of uh, sketchy or, or spotty until I then. I can't but believe
1: Thanksgiving's almost here.
0: I know. And we will continue to do good shows for you guys. But Uh, we're flying
1: in on Thanksgiving, so we won't be doing a show that Wednesday. And you guys can all go make your turkey dinner and not worry about it until Friday.
0: Let me say something here to the audience. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Thank you for this audience that we have cultivated. Uh, I was thinking
1: about all the trolls we used to have.
0: Well, some of the trolls, I would argue, are now on board with what we're trying to do. Yeah, some of them came over to our side. Yeah, and so we're just trying to question. We're just trying to look at things. We're just trying to understand things, we're not, again, remember, super moderate, and it it looks like we're right-leaning because a lot of the people we have interviewed, like Justin, are right-leaning, and I always get uncomfortable. I haven't had to
1: kick anybody I always
0: get uncomfortable when it's somebody who's partisan one way or the other because I don't want this to be a partisan thing. I want this to be a fact-finding mission of you know what went down we all went through this thing don't we all want to understand what it was i appreciate you all on twitter spaces i appreciate the calls yeah, I'm, that come in
1: i'm glad that that's working out
0: those of you on rumble where well, you this? know we're watching you guys carefully and we appreciate you guys being there in the rumble audience rumble has been a great refuge for us when we've gotten in trouble with youtube for no reason but anyway what are you going to do um, and I look forward to the day when uh, Twitter becomes part of this sort of, um, media platform. I, Caleb, you have any thoughts about that? I, I, I get the feeling that, that, that Elon wants to make yeah. it like a little mini YouTube type set. Uh, I'm, and
6: I'm, I, I'm excited yeah. to see what happens. They, I mean, he's already talked about long form video
0: and all of these extra new, new yeah. features. So it's, let's inject he wants some to give life us into money. It. I'll be into it. <laughs> and, and I don't, I don't, and maybe, maybe tomorrow I'll bring this up. I don't understand all the freak out again. I don't understand most freaks. Well, out. he's
1: he's changing a business, and it's his you know, business. He owns are, it. He can do whatever he wants. Are always, there's always fifty percent of the people that are going to be against whatever you do. So you just have to deal with it. It's his business. The eight dollar charge to have a verification, you know, is you know whatever. I mean, who cares?
6: Yep. Well, and the,
1: and if they'll if they'll monetize it, if people like us can you know make the eight dollars back, we'll be fine. Yeah. i think that's how they're going to work it out
0: yeah well we'll see uh, people are all upset about it i i agree that uh, he, they seem to be making good faith efforts to make it a platform that um, you know protects everybody i i don't like that he kicked off kathy griffin and, and ethan klein I think, that's, I think that was a bad thing but it's not my business not my call yeah so. but
1: i mean you're not supposed to pretend you're somebody yeah but i think that's he a... should
0: have, he should have warned them that hey you get it correct that right now or, or permanently out i don't yeah. like the yeah, I don't like that he just did it. Yeah. I, I don't like that. But that's it's his business. He can do what he wants. And so there you go. Yeah, um,
1: I'm surprised we were never censored on Twitter ever.
0: We uh, did the exact- Oh, I had all kinds of weird shadow banning and stuff going on. And and, and well, yeah. And then, and then weird. Yeah,
6: things the
1: and it, weird
0: things with the algorithm to make things worse well, of whatever I, mean, I was dealing with with people. Look like at them. the
6: compare the number of views that, that the live shows get on Twitter versus what it was, I think it was about a year or two years ago when it was it was enormous, right. it was a spike. So there's, there's right. definitely some suppression there, which I'm thinking is going to be yeah, adjusted. Same thing Everything's up in the
0: air right well, now. Well, it was...
1: Pe- yeah, but it yeah. was Periscope and w- our chats. We could see our chats. We can't see our chats anymore. Same,
0: same thing happened with Facebook. That we were, it's, it's a kind of a weird shadow banning thing. And I don't know why. And you, there's no human to talk to. YouTube is very, very kind in actually giving us human beings to when talk to and tell Kennedy us. We had
1: Kennedy on, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. We had like 40,000 views that day on, on the Twitter show, like literally. Mm-hmm. And I, like that was so, you I know, know, I think it's just the topic you know for that i don't audience. know but
0: you speaking of uh, business you guys you and i have a bunch of things but i wish
1: do. i wish that was over on youtube because i would have made a dollar 50.
0: so there we go <laughs> there we go everybody <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> thank you so much for, me, <laughs> for being here uh uh thank you susan thank you caleb uh and we will be back with you tomorrow at three o'clock with an update on edward dowd with kelly victory see you then ta-ta 273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com slash help.